Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Plat Chat Overwatch. And um, we brought Custer in for one particular reason, one reason, uh, and that is because we've run out of news to talk about. So we decided to bring Custer in, and we're going to review some of his old gameplay from 2018. First week of 2018, the inaugural season of the Overwatch League. Some of you people, some of you guys watching the Plat Chat podcast probably weren't even watching the Overwatch League back then. You actually don't know yeah. what it was like. So this is going to be uh, an interesting look at some history for you yeah. um, and what better person to bring on than Custer himself to explain some of the gameplay because he was playing on the Dallas Fuel at the time and that's the game we're going to be looking at the Dallas Fuel versus the Soul Dynasty day one week one I think it was mad, the last match of the day wasn't I think it? it was the last match of the day yeah and there have yeah. been two 4-0 rolls before that so Monty and Doha are on the mic and I think they start by saying something like oh we've only had rolls up till now so I hope this is going to be a good game everyone thought this like all of the comments in the over.gg thread are all like wow grand finals preview day one that's crazy it, so uh, good i it just there so much ptsd came flowing through me when you guys asked me to do this because these are the kind of things that are like well honestly the entire dallas fuel era i just sort of put at the back of my mind because it was kind of a shit show but this was like the beginning of the descent because up until this point right everyone was like as you said this was going to be the grand finals matchup. Everyone had like Dallas Fuel either one or two or Soul Dynasty one or two. That was where it was going back and yeah. forth. But like this, this game, like going into it as a player, because obviously we've been screaming up here, we knew where we stood in the game. And this was like terrifying. This was the most terrifying thing as a player and as a team coming to this match because there was so much hype. And if we lost this game, then it all came tumbling down. I, I mean, in many ways, it was like the big clash between two teams that we didn't see get to play that much because before the Overwatch League, you had Envy who won North American Contenders, right? And it was like this big, the best Western team. And then they had made signings with AKM and Anko from Rogue. And then they brought in XQC and Custom, of course. Like, so this was like the big Western juggernaut. And then on the other side, you had Seoul Dynasty, which was like the Korean team. Obviously they were like LW Blue at the time. There were Kongdu teams, C9 got in the mix, but Seoul so Dynasty was like really high. They were, you know, the big fan favorite, the, the big team. Korean yeah. juggernaut, like the yeah. team, yeah. So this yeah. was supposed to be the clash between the number one and number two seed of the Overwatch League. And well, there was this history, but this, the, you know, people were hyped going into this matchup. Hyped. I'm to rewatch it, man. I'm hyped to rewatch it. Yeah. That yeah. makes one of us. We've set the scene. We've set the scene. The context is here. We can get started. The way this has worked, because Custer's computer is currently on fire, we have to sync it up. So I'm just going to... You want to just pull it up and uh, I'll say yeah, I'm three, ready whenever you are. two, one, and then we'll play it, okay? Okay. But that was, was that, one, yeah, was that not it? I, I thought that was it for a that second. Was, that was it not wasn't it. it. Oh, no, are we that... doing it on one? Oh, we'll do it on one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we're doing it on one. Okay. We'll just do it on one. things up. Okay. Are you back up to the timestamp that you were on before? I'm ready. I'm at, I'm at 10.30. We're ready. Okay. <laughs> Three, two, one. Why would we go on one? But that worked. Okay, sure. Yeah, I don't I've know done why you're on one. <laughs> usually, I, usually I go on go. You know? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. We make it work. Yeah. For anyone who's watching this at home though. as well, this was this was Monty and Doa casting. So I mean this is this is truly like it's still really early Overwatch in my head. When you yeah. watch the gameplay as well, you'll be able to see that it's it looks like early Overwatch too. But like Custer on Zen, early Overwatch, really yeah, yeah. early Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, and then we've got Mickey just like so <laughs> many old school players. But can we pull yeah. the Ams down? Is that possible, Kurt? Um, so that we can Time see on the Moira. Heroes. There you go. No. Oh my god. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, the, on that quick note, before we talk ooh, about the roster as well, because there we go. Perfect. There it is. Because you mentioned Monty and Doha casting as well. And before the Overwatch League, I believe they didn't cast as well because they were working with us on contenders, remember? So they didn't actually cast matches. I don't know if they did like no, the no, North they American did. finals. They did, they did Apex. I mean, yeah, way. Yeah, they way. did Apex, but then they took a break, right? Right, to yeah, work yeah, yeah, on the did. Overwatch League, right? And yes. they worked with us at Contenders for a bit. They didn't commentate. But this was Monty and Doha back at commentary for the first time, I'd like to say, in like a year since they uh, quit Apex and let um, those Apex casters do that. I think it was Wolf and Achilles, of course, but then it was like yeah. some League of Legends casters as well. I think well, it was Papa Atlas, Smithy. Atlas, yeah. uh, Atlas and Papa Smithy, I mean. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Monty and Doha, biggest match going into the Overwatch League. Like this was be so epic. Look on at the on compositions the... that are being run right now as well. The Soul Dynasty's got a quad tank on the board with, oh, with yeah. Annalise. Oh. And the Dallas Fuel are running... I can't see. The, the Dallas Fuel are running Mickey on Orissa and Taimu on Hog. And then they've got yeah. Harry Hook playing Bastion. I can't see. There's a big Solo support. Oh, right. Oh, unlucky, Brian. But these, so... these comps are crazy. Like, this is day one comps. What I'm interested in is... Had you guys even scrimmed like any of yeah. the owl teams before that? Was was there like yeah. a proper preseason where you guys had the meta figured out? Because yeah, there like was it. a pretty long time, if I remember correctly, in which we arrived to how long until we had our first match. Because we had that preseason matches, remember as well, yeah, leading into yeah, it yeah. in oh, January yeah, yeah, where yeah. we played against the Mayhem. So um, there was definitely a meta forming. Quad tank was still really strong, um, but there was definitely like. Obviously, Junkertown is a unique one throughout the history of Overwatch of just being an absolute nightmare in terms of like working out like what is supposed to be played. Because as you see sure. here, we have Pirate Ship with our second support player playing Bastion. So anyone who says they don't like you know, hero limits or like roll lock, you, you got to come look, watch these games and sort of reevaluate <laughs> a little bit. But it's it, there was definitely practice coming into here. This was interesting because I, actually coming up into this point, we knew that Soul wasn't as strong as everyone thought they were going to be, and we knew we weren't as strong as everyone thought we were going to be. So as much right. as this was to the fans a clash of the titans, I think everyone in this match sort of knew was like, where these teams aren't really living up to expectations <laughs> at this point. At this point, the good teams are like London. Like at this point, like we've been scrimming and it's like London's really good and stuff. So it's gone back and forth in NYXL, obviously. What happened? What there? happened? That was crazy. I don't I know, but we're back you. in the game. I can't, I can't that was you. wild. I mean, you can't hear me? But can no, no, we can hear you. We can All right. hear you. I don't oh, well, know. Everything, <laughs> everything's blowing up at the moment. Can we keep talking or? I I'm just going to assume we can. Yeah. The, wow, this podcast is about on par the quality of this match. <laughs> the decision making in terms of compositions baffles me. And it's so hard to tell in these old games whether people just were making the wrong decisions or whether you don't remember what the patch was. Because like they've they've transitioned now so that Fletter has moved over from a tank. I can't even remember what Fletter was playing. What was Fletter playing? Like the Roadhog, right? Or playing Quad Oh tank? yeah, he was playing Roadhog. He was Roadhog. playing Roadhog yeah. to begin with. Yeah, the Junkrat actually. Now he's playing Junkrat. And so Seagull's moved over to Farah, and it feels like, I don't know, it feels like I'm watching a different game. Just a completely different game. Yeah. Well, I think Bastion was so powerful here, Costa. Yeah. So you had to do a pirate ship. 
Yeah, I think I think you uh, Bastion was really prominent in season one uh, yeah. on Junkertown, but I think this is back in the idea that the counter to Bastion was just raw damage, right? And that's what the Junkrat's doing here is like you can sit in this window and you can just shoot. And we actually remember having issues with this, and that's why Seagull goes to the Farriers because it was really hard to deal with uh, the window because they can just consistently throw mines through there against the Bastion. So therefore, you go something that has. Uh, height and range, and then you can just pocket that. Obviously, the issue that we have is that I, as a Mercy, I have to pocket the Farah and the Bastion, and it's probably not going to work. Um, but we're going to probably see that as this happens. Well, but isn't I'm... this a ridiculous game? I'm trying to remember this map, and I'm starting to... It's all you, coming back to me. me? It's coming back yeah, to yeah. you? Yeah, you. it's all coming back to me, I think, a little bit, we, this match. We, I we can moved you, the bro. TV because I couldn't see because it was a tripod in the way, and it just fucked everything. <laughs> just everything just broke and it's just been on fire the past like 10 minutes i have no idea what you guys have been talking about i've been interrupting you uh we're talking about the comps seems yeah, yeah. we're talking about the compositions because they're yeah. just they're just crazy like the, it seems like a lot of the meta game right now is you have a strat the enemy team tries to break your strat and you just run heroes to stop them breaking it yeah like effect seems like he's running the reaper because they were running a lot of tanks so now munchkin's gone soldier because you guys are running reaper and and farah it's like ranked theory where it's all about the heroes not about the comps yeah like especially towards the end uh like at least when i was playing is like there was Everyone had like these meta comps and everyone played it and switching was very rare, especially to these like unique characters like Soldier and Reaper. While back in the day, like you see Gogo's goes junk right now. Like it doesn't really seem like there's a whole lot of rhyme or reason rather than I feel like I would be more effective on this. Yeah. Like we have effect quad TPing to the backline of the Soul <laughs> Dynasty right now. <laughs> yeah. It is crazy because 2018 was also the season where I feel like we got dive really refined. There were teams obviously playing dive combat. I mean, it had been a thing in Apex Season 4 for like the entire time, both Soldier Tracer and Genji Tracer. But it was like Overwatch League was using... It felt like to me the narrative of 2018 was finding ways to break weird comps with dive until yeah. at the end of it... Well, maybe not actually for the eventual finals, but for, for a lot of the later stages, people were... Uh, for we're able to just run it full time whereas that's not what you saw at all at the beginning of stage one yeah i also think that actually it's way it was way easier to play dive at that time because now if you try to play dive like people can sort of break it down and you know apply some pressure in some ways to make it really hard to play dive but i think the thinking was in the first season of the overwatch league that if you were a pretty bad team or an average team if you just play dive, everyone would have the same mindset to just go in and it would be way easier to play those kind of compositions because you would play the stuff like New York Excelsior that play their slow Sendiata composition with Jonak and whatever. And it's like, if you couldn't match them in that way of thinking, like why bother? And that's why you see some of these teams just kind of like playing kind of like whatever, just going in um, to gain that confidence and try to be on the same page more so than trying to be experts at one particular composition which we see nowadays um so i yeah. think you look at souls comp here like they're just kind of like <laughs> first they're playing this quad tank thing where they're just like let's just rush the bastion because it's simple everyone knows that they're just gonna rush the bastion and then flat swaps to junk crab because he has some high ground uh position of course so he can spam down the nades etc but like it's all just like let's just dive onto this target and try to shut down this target it's way more simplistic in the strategy and tactics um yeah the first season 
I, we're also missing the step as well. You got to remember, we have we go to dive in like the middle towards the end of the season, but then it goes heavily towards Widowmaker. Widowmaker becomes like yeah, almost yeah. a staple yeah. at the very end, and then at the very final out. And trust me, I can go on a rant about this thing. We went to that triple tank double sniper solo support mercy for the grand <laughs> yeah, finals yeah. yeah get excited yeah, yeah, woo, yeah um, but that's sort of where we ended up right like that, that those were the moments that like we've seen so much like evolution throughout overwatch i think we probably grew the most in 2018 when you had the everyone came together all the best players and then like it starts off very chaotic as you saw you know which we start on tank and then we end up on dive but it definitely normalizes as the season goes on yeah, it was wild to see the melting pot of teams playing because uh, this was essentially the beginning of the eSport. I mean, you can talk about Apex and Apex really did a lot. But that was very it was important. Still, Come on. It was, it, yeah. was still its, it was still its own bubble. Apex was still its own bubble. You didn't oh, yeah, it was. have you didn't have the elite teams from everywhere in the world and like all the elite players trying to make the best teams possible competing in the central location like you didn't uh, to add to you that, didn't gosh. have these kind of developments in the meta and in the game happening during apex seasons it yeah. was smaller slower and one quick note about apex before you move on with your point it was very elitists at the time because it was yeah. so invite dependent for the european and north american teams that you sort of had to be like buddy buddy with ogn to actually get an invite to apex where there was no qualifying system it was sort of just like hey are you a popular western team or have you had significant success like there were teams like i think i think team giganti uh nip at the time i don't think they ever went to apex because no, they just weren't as popular no. They weren't, just yeah. weren't as popular, and that was a big part. But if the owners were like, hey, Apex, we have this big organization, that automatically gave you some clout and a higher chance to get an invite. So Apex, of course, it was like the best competition at the time, I'd like to say, but it was not like this epic global event because there was no way to actually qualify for it. You had to get an invite, and sometimes there is something like Misfits. When we were there and participated in Apex, I would say there were better European and North American times, but we got an invite because we were a pretty big org and we had big traction because yeah. we had big members, etc. So that, that is a footnote you have to add about Apex time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's like why you saw me like screaming and screeching at the crowd just before. Like, this is like... I'm playing against Soul Dynasty. These guys are like literally the Apex teams that like we wish that you could ever play against when you were like, you know, in the early stages before the Overwatch League. Yeah. Like I went to Apex as Fnatic and we got absolutely bodied by everybody. We lost yeah, the Kongu Pantera and Runaway. And so we didn't even make it out of groups. Back when Runaway weren't actually anybody at that yeah, time as well. That was they the were on the way up when we were playing them. Yeah. That, that was like, because that's, oh, we lost to... um. They had, they had like a bunch, a couple of like incredible players at the time, and they're like, everyone was just starting to re respect them, and Kongu Panthera were incredible. So, we're all of a sudden playing against all these players that like you've always wanted to play against, and it's going to be a round robin you're always going to play against. And now I'm on a team that I think we can be competitive with. So, like, this is like the pinnacle for honestly every Overwatch League player. Like, the initial like uh, summit thing that we did, and when we had all the best players from all around the world in one spot. That was like a pretty cool moment seeing like these 12 best teams from around the world that could potentially be made in one yeah. spot. Yeah, it, it, it was magical getting everybody together at the same time. I at love... point, oh, I was on. just going to add, well, at what point did you see teams comboing up abilities here? I'm looking at the compositions that we've got. And I'm, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm literally looking off the hamster screen, so I, I can't see shit clearly as much. But like... The combination, like, you can see Dallas here running the Orissa, 
and the and the the hog, right? I remember at the tail end of 2018, London yeah. Spitfire was so good at synergizing like Holt and Dragon Strike or Holt Hook combos, just mm -hmm. any sort of combos with with various bits of abilities. But you're just not really seeing that in this game. It, was this something that developed in the middle of the game, or am I misremembering? Like in the no, middle of 2018. Yeah, yeah. It was something that people were aware about, but it wasn't something that you just always did. Oh my god, instant res. PTSD. <gasps> instant PTSD, instant res. Oh god. That was oh so fast. How did that just happen? That's um, insane. That's a lot going through that memory. Sorry, uh, I got sidetracked. But uh, the, it, it happened. You saw this actually at the very start of the game. We Arissa hooked, and then uh, we Arissa pulled, and then Taimu hooked him. But you don't see it all the time. It's like very yeah. rarely. Well, so, as you said, towards the end, if you weren't pull hooking, pull diva bombing, pull dragon striking, just anything Arissa has in her kit, honestly, um, at any point, then you're just losing the game. And that's what the best teams became the best for is because they were just syncing that up all the time. Yeah. It's so, finding that consistency, isn't it? It's yeah. About not having to rely on individual pop-off moments or people flanking behind on the Reaper or whatever and just finding the comps that can provide the most consistency every single fight. Yeah. Do, do you think I, that I, comes from... I was just going to say quickly, Johnny, do, do you think that comes from the, just that the Overwatch League as, a, as, a, as, a, as an existence, as a system, having everybody playing in the same local area and everyone developing the game at the same time? I mean, I think it clearly pushed the game to new heights. Oh, yeah. So that's what I wanted to get at, actually, which great segue now, Bren. But there were multiple things that just improved the gameplay, gameplay quality so much in 2018. Yeah. For one, I think that Blizzard had this coaching tool where they actually had, had like map overhead views for the first yes. time. I don't know if Custer remembers that. Yeah. But that was the first time coaches actually had that. Coaches are, actually were a big part of the Overwatch League in 2018, but like before that you would have like manager coaches or some uh, credible coaches. But 2018 was when coaches really started to matter in the league. And then um, just to give you an idea of like the gameplay quality, I remember having my brain actually like blown, like my mind blown because I sat in at a Florida Mayhem practice in stage one and they were playing Gibraltar. Okay, this was how bad the, the gameplay quality was back then. They played Mercy Genji on first point Gibraltar and used a damage boost to charge up the Dragon Blade. And that was their composition, right? Because every time you saw Genji, you'd be like, oh, you got to play with the Lucio, you got to play with the Ana, you got to Nana boost and speed boost him in to like get him into stuff. But the fact that they played Mercy and damage boosted the Genji so he could build Blade faster, and that was a like gameplay condition, my mind was blown by that in 2018, yeah. okay? That was the level we were at. So when they like sat down with these tools and coaches, it just dramatically increased throughout the season. I would say actually the 2018 finals with, between London and Philadelphia, that was actually some pretty decent play. Like yeah. it was really good at the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in 2017, I remember having conversations with the, the rogue players, the like full French rogue team, yeah. when they went to Korea and they said that it was just incredible playing against the Korean Lucios because they would actually peel the dive. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, like, they didn't say it like that. I'm deliberately making it sound more silly than it is. But but they were telling me, like, it's amazing that these Lucios are, like, booping the Winston away. They're like, our Winston can't do anything in the fights because you dive and you just get booped away and you don't, you don't land where you want to. And, like, that sounds so stupid to say now. Because... <laughs> because... 
Of course teams are doing that. But you're standing on the wall of that. When you ask a Winston try to explain that, like I'm getting booped and I can't do anything, they'd be like, just dive better. Just play harder. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you get booped by Lucio? So I'd always get shit for not diving <laughs> good enough because I'd get booped by Lucio. And obviously you had to learn how to play around that, like jump over the Lucio or whatever. But that was actually like, it was unbelievable at the time. So you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so much stuff that was, that had to be learned because the game was so new. Yeah. And so it's always just going to be this learning process. Well, I, you also got to remember, it's, it's also... All the teams now have almost infinite resources. Obviously not infinite, but they now have like at least three coaches. Every team in season one had that many coaches. Everyone was in the same facility. Like even all the teams were in the same facility. We're all down that long hallway where everyone practiced. And no then sunlight. everyone was like collaborating, talking together. Everyone's working. Everyone was scrimming like crazy. The amount of improvement, I would say, from like uh, like january of that year when everyone first arrived till like april may like it would be absolutely astounding yeah. on how quick the meta evolved the teams evolved because prior to that we're so region right like obviously uh, korea was one of the best regions and they were improving they were doing the best in forms of dive and stuff like that but north america like there's and europe they were so like honed in on one mindset of this is how you play the game like obviously europe played a lot of tank heavy compositions north mm -hmm. america liked to play a lot of dive but like obviously not as well as korea so it, it was very like weird to have all the styles come together and then one final thing gets sort of like shaken out and that was the meta for the world at that point so yeah yeah to give an example, I think a great example of how that kind of worked was when Rogue went over to... Off on the flank. Why didn't he yeah. roll into him and flash him? Effect going rampage. Um, so yeah, one, one example I wanted to give was actually like when Rogue went over to Korea. Do you remember when they played like triple DPS and Korea was like, yeah. this is unbelievable, like AKM is yeah. a headshot machine, like how do we beat this? It took them like what, like three, four weeks to actually like figure out that comp and then Rogue yeah. went out to any groups or whatever. Yeah. Imagine now the Overwatch League, all the best teams from all the best regions clash. They have proper coaching staff, like they play scrims with each other every day. That level of like turnover in metas just like drastically escalated it was so fast compared to the regions just trying to figure that stuff alone that let's go wins. fuel let's <laughs> go fuel yeah, look at me um yeah this is this is like the the game look at effect smiling you didn't see that much throughout after this map <laughs> there was not much more of that so yeah I mean, a crowd that was like unheard of at the time. It's like you had an Apex crowds, and you know, I, I remember like I am Gyeonggi was a pretty big crowd, but like just having a crowd here, you're like, we're yeah. not playing online, we're playing <laughs> LAN. It was like, I mean, hype. That, that is a rare Pepe in the Blizzard <laughs> Arena. That is Pre one of the rarest Pepe's you will ever see. Holy wow. shit. The uh, wow. that is that is an interesting one. Yeah, this, this, I mean, this map is quintessential january gameplay though because it's junker town already so it's already nonsense but it was just teams figuring stuff out so early yeah. on and you're right when i think about how what by the time we got to like i don't know march teams were playing pretty good overwatch yeah, yeah it was I remember like exponential improvement i remember yeah. sitting down with the london spitfire coaches around the middle portion of the year maybe just before i can't remember what it was it was like a month before playoffs i think and talking to them about like the concepts that they had learned over the year and like some of the concepts that I thought like how Overwatch was meant to be played. Like I remember I used an example of Gladiators using a self-destruct and just capitalizing off the space it made. 
That was it. Mm. And they were like, yeah, no, no, we, we've been like noticing that as well. Like we need to be playing off of our ultimates more to like, when there's space created, we can just jump on that. And that, that kind of evolution of gameplay over the year was ridiculous. I think we're skipping ahead of the break. TV in front of me keeps flicking on and off. So I've just been, I uh, missed the Pepe, unfortunately. Oh, um, uh, you missed the rare Pepe. As XQC, stopping oh, in for Seagull. <laughs> This really was an all-star <laughs> team in terms of like personalities. As it was well. unreal. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's crazy. That, I think it, they were at the point where I think Dallas was like, "We have envious. We have theoretically the best team in the world. We can just pick up a marketable team uh, for for the rest of the fields." That's why they filled in. Like, obviously, Seagull and XQC are both good players in their own right, but they're probably like even going into this point, they weren't the best players coming into yeah. the overwatch league so they were just sort of like filling out the roster with people that would be marketable that would bring fans but also be able to sub in if you want i actually did want to like end it off here as well something that i think is really interesting is you said like the gameplay got so much better in a few months i think that's why all the power rankings at the very start of the season literally became bogus because the teams that were good sometimes just didn't improve at the level of these other teams. And that's yeah, why you yeah. saw, especially I think the Korean teams got so far ahead because they have that drive, they have that hustle. And I think they know how to utilize the rigorous training that we're going through. Well, I think a lot of Western teams really fell flat. Like Houston Outlaws started really strong, very strong in stage one. I yeah, think they yeah, went yeah, with John Cry, yeah. They, they went like 24 maps in a row or something like that. And then you, the demise of them throughout the rest of the season as they just struggled to keep up with the rest of the teams was really interesting seeing through the evolution of season one. Do you want me to count down, Kurt, for the next map? Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. What, yeah. what time are you at? Um, we're on 20. What is it? 24, 17. What is that? No, uh, 34, 17. 34, 17. Okay. All right. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I'm ready. We'll go, we'll, we'll go on go this time. We'll change it up. All right. We'll change <laughs> it, it up. Okay, great. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Uh, Wonderful. I always thought that XUC was pretty good, actually. Like, I, I thought if he had if he had really... People think of him as a bit of a meme. Like, he wasn't... I don't know. Either you're an XUC fan or you just think that he was a joke that was picked up because he was a big personality. But you, you played on a team with him right before. I was actually... I was going to ask you this question live, but I never got around to it, Custer. What team were you playing on before Dallas? I've actually... Yeah, we actually played on a team called arc six and i was on that team for like a whole span of like two weeks but we yeah. played one tournament and we came like third to rogue and that's where the famous quote from xqc says they went to korea <laughs> and that like that's like we did it phenomenally well and you look back at that roster arc six was myself and ginger pop on support line xqc in space on tank and then yeah, you had Jesus. dante and a person called zza who was an I incredible was flex well. dps player. he was a great player like honestly every single one of those players could have been in the overwatch league like they were all really good at what they did yeah. but the issue that we had is like we were trying to market ourselves as a team that could get signed as one whole unit into the overwatch league which would have been funny if that had actually like looking back now but we just couldn't find a team like it was really hard to find like you know teams that wanted to sign a full six players so but yeah, like talking about XUC, he is a very smart player when it comes to playing the game. He he cannot explain what he's thinking that well. Like he has great ideas and you watch him play and you're like, why'd you do that? And he's like, I don't know. It just seemed like the right thing, but it's actually like the right play and it's very smart. Yeah. I think where he really struggled was a full-time rigorous our schedule is where he fell short in the Overwatch League. I just think he really struggled to show up to practice every day on time, 100% alert and not worrying about what is happening with his stream and stuff like that. So he could easily have made it in the league if he put everything he had into it. I just don't think he ever did.
yeah, I don't think that was a hot take. Like oh, it's, no, it's not a hot take. I yeah. just sort of getting my first person, yeah, specific. About it. I, I, thought, I, 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 thought I thought he had the potential to be like one of the best main tank players in the world. Like, yeah, yeah I, he was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, we can continue talking about this XQC, but like when people started boosting up here, this was like revolutionary. <laughs> Talk to that. Like what when people boosted up here, probably, how do you break it? How do you break it? Like people couldn't figure out. There were teams in season one that didn't cap like point A for like months. Like they just couldn't figure it out. Why are they and running you had triple tank with it though? Yeah, what the what? fuck is going on? Why are they running triple tank? Have they got Taimu contesting the point? Is that the idea that Mickey and XQC I, stay on the high ground? Yeah, Taimu probably, I think contest so, yeah. point. Well, I know. I think they're looking for the. We're looking for the pull hooks. Like, I think that's the win condition that we're looking. Yeah, like you can see it off the bat. Like they're trying to pull, but obviously oh, there's this is offense, yeah, of course. in the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Dallas is on offense, and I think they want Mickey to be able to go up. <laughs> oh, I don't, yeah, what, I what, totally, what is the Lucio here for? Defense, is the better question. What is a Lucio? Oh, he killed Ryo Jehung. Never mind. I got nothing. This yeah. was before the Genji strat as well, because remember, yeah. like you'd, you'd take Genji, like flank him on the left yeah, through the yeah. windows to get to the back. Like, this was at the start where people were like, how do you, like, actually get people off the gr uh, high ground here? Yeah. There's um, so much space given to the... Ooh. Oh, my God. Wow. The Widowmaker. That, that was nice. That's yeah, good. so much space given, not just to the Widow, but to the entire attacking team, right? Like, you're not contesting any of that ground. Look as they at come how in, much they're getting away with here. Yeah. It's, it just gives me more, more weight to my argument about hit scan play over the years. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, do you want to re-explain that argument, actually? Because yeah, that was a really that? good time to talk about it. Yeah, so you're seeing right now this Widowmaker. I, I think Widowmaker was in a much stronger state at this point as well. Like, I don't know what the grapple cooldown was on. It, maybe it was actually, it got I buffed. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about the balance of Widowmaker. But, like, I, I think when people think of these old Widowmaker players, you can see effect he's popping oh my up. God. Has anyone gone to Jeez. punish him on the right-hand side at all? Is anyone playing out of his line of sight here? No. No one is no one is doing anything to mitigate the impact he's having by playing out of his line of sight. They're just walking into his sight line. It, it's so slow to react to his presence. And this is what a lot of the early 2018 hit scan play was like with players like Pine and Carpe getting away with murder. No one playing around the Widowmaker. No one punishing a Widowmaker player at all. Uh, no one trying to just essentially prevent them from uh, playing these angles. Uh, and... I think as time has gone on, as teams have got better and better and better at playing those angles and essentially forcing Widowmaker players to, you have to play either an incredibly aggressive angle, of which case we're going to kill you because you're too far forward, or you have to play this tiny window of opportunity for you to pop off and you have to rely yeah, on your team yeah. to try and create space to allow the open here's, for you to hit headshots. Here's actually the effect uh, replay here. Oh, yeah. my Lord. And you can see this, this oh, replay oh here. Like, I mean, everyone's just standing shot, out in the open. But yeah, this was before like, Sigma and Wrecking Ball too, you know. They, so they just weren't the same ready tools. For yeah, I, I think as well when I watch the um, the old hitscan players, what what springs to mind in my head is that the the teams they're playing against tend to have less discipline, so they don't. Um, for example, if one of their players is going to pressure the Widowmaker, the others don't play slowly to wait for that reinforcement they just still try and take the fight so you end up like i feel like these these teams that were playing at the beginning of 2018 were worried about allocating resources to the widow because they thought they'd just lose the rest of the team fight whereas now teams have got so much better with like actually leaving one player to harass but playing slowly on the rest of the point and then once the, the other guy comes in you can take the fights a bit better and the communication and the coordination is all there to to yeah. allocate attention differently whereas if you think about like if Miro had just dived up top and tried to kill Effect there, 
I feel like they just turn around to grapple away the rest out of the that line. angle doesn't yeah. cost that much in terms of resources. Right, but there was no, there was none of that thought. They were just when you see Merrill play Winston, he just jumps onto people if he yeah. wants to deal yeah. with them. And that's what he was doing on Junkertown as well. And, it's and not it, as nuanced. Yeah, this leads me to the to the later point I'm making, which is like how. I don't think you need a, a, a star hit scan player, which the, the counterpoint to that is like, oh, what about Arns with the shock? But I think there's outliers for it. Like Arns is a, is a rare case of a just an unbelievable freak hit scan player. Um, and of course, you're going to see value just, just off the back of him of, of what the shock is able to create. The shock as a team, of course, is going to be creating space all the time for him to pop off. But uh, in, in general, like the windows opportunities that hitscan players can play in, especially with Widowmaker, has narrowed over time. And now it does come off the back of it, like just a, a base level of hitscan expectations uh, can, can do the job when it comes to the Overwatch League, I feel. What an interesting composition from Dallas on the defense. Because they're so close to getting something that works, I think, but then they have Harry Hook on Soldier. Like, yeah. I, I felt like the, the, the Junkrat Widow became meta on this map for... I mean, it's it still occasionally rears its head again, but... Correct me if I'm wrong good. here, Custa, you might know better than me, but before Dallas became Envy, was that the time when Harry was, like, their damage yeah. player? And yeah, so, that... when he swapped over to support, I think he wanted to play DPS, and I think there was also some community push or fanbase push for him to play more DPS. So he would have these moments, right, where he would just want to play Soldier, or, like, push to play Soldier, just because he wanted to, right? Am I wrong in that? No, you're 100% right. Envy had this, like, identity of Harry Hook on Soldier was, like, incredible, ridiculously he good for really a support good. player. He, he was up there with one of the best, like, relevant to almost AKM, who was, like, known as the Soldier player. And I think it was just so unique because they had this strategy of one support, Soldier as your second support, and that's it just did so much damage. I think one of the, like the fundamental issues that Dallas Fuel had is they were so stuck in their old ways as yeah. everything evolved so quickly, like we talked about, that they just fell behind so much with the times, this soldier type of thing, all that kind of stuff. They kept trying to make all these unique things work that worked in the early forms of Overwatch that just didn't work as time went on. And like you you sort of like see this from time to time. You're like, this doesn't make sense looking back. And it just worked for them, I think, because they were so good in the in the history of Overwatch in yeah. like 2017. So, so I can ask you as well then, was there a lot of like different mindsets going into the Dallas field because you had so many players coming from different teams and then they came to this team and everyone had like different ideas of what Dallas field should be or what it was? Yeah, like, strategically? I, I, I like I don't want to get too much into it because obviously it's kind yeah, of like fair, an enigma sure. that no one's never really answered. But I would say the failure of Dallas field is definitely just due to like there was this massive disconnect on how everyone viewed the game. Like, I'm a bit, obviously a very opinionated person. Seagull's a very opinionated person. We have Kai Kai as head coach. We have all of the MV squad coming in. We have all these new players coming in. And there was just so many holes. And we couldn't solve all the problems fast enough. And we just, I don't know, it just never really came together. Like, no meta, no idea. Everything we tried just didn't work. And it just got worse and worse. And when you have that expectation on you to be the best team in the league as well, it just sort of weighs down on everything as well. And I think that's what created all these cracks. And then eventually, you know, Dallas Field is breaking apart yeah. altogether. And I don't think that's a, like, that's scandalous. Is that the word to use? Like, I don't no. think that's like a big surprise. Like, I think in hindsight, when you look at this roster and how it was put together, it's quite easy to just think that you, you know, like, 
there, there's a lot of players coming from different teams here. Like, it's going to be a bit of a mess. And there was obviously so much pressure on Dallas uh, to perform as well. Like, no, no wonder, like, that that happened. And there were some growing pains that you weren't able to, like, rise up from. So I, I don't think that's, like... You know, a hot take or Rigi Hong with his with his desk, his mouse, and like he'd sit so far down and just like lean up. It'd be great. We haven't talked too much about Soul Dynasty. We should do that in the second half, maybe. Well, I was I was just looking at the gameplay there, and Soul Dynasty are running this Genji Tracer dive, right? And Miro jumps in and he gets melted. But because they have Insta Res, Toby just comes in straight afterwards and reses him up again. And so he doesn't like Miro's just literally I remember Fraggy doing this all the time in stage one as well where they're just suiciding in to create space there's no incentive to play intelligently on the Winston at all because your best play is actually to int as hard as you can and then get res later on in the fight once you've made space for your team it's it's a wild what a wild way of playing dive well again I think it comes down a little bit to the fact that there just weren't enough tools back then like you didn't have sigma you didn't have wrecking ball yeah. and so main tanks were often like just crowbarred into these compositions to try to get some kind of value and it was very uh it was very uh, punishing to play those roles like it was very like if you got headshot by a widow you were you were done for you just gotta dive in you were trapped you're done for it was very yolo like and i think in hindsight i like to think like oh you know this great gameplay it was so exciting it was so punishing it was so top tier but like it really was just kind of shit because <laughs> you didn't have any other options i i mean it is extremely punishing though i mean you are it, it's very punishing the, the yeah but it was a bit like counter-strike almost we're like ruined. you peak an angle and you take a shot and you're you're not dead but like you're really low health it, it was very much like hold corners yeah jump in in a short timing uh, take your uh, show your back against the there's, widowmaker to not get headshot like yeah. very punishing like that there's so much that can melt you like yeah, yeah. there's the, the discord orb i think widowmaker is like she has a ridiculous charge rate of her rifle as well in this patch because mm -hmm. it seems like they're just popping headshots 200 damage headshots like no one's business um and then and then of course the damage boost as well yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got damage boost, you've got discord, you've got the tracer and the junkrat who's trying to juggle you around with his tires. I mean, junkrat, uh, I just his... don't know what the fuck's going oh on. Oh my god. Wow. I mean, the junkrat was a pretty effective counter dive tool as well because you, yeah, the you couldn't really focus a single target because the mines just juggle you around, deny you from the high grounds of places you're playing. And look at this, the reses are just crazy. Yeah, I think that's like one of the biggest things of like why this was such a weird meta as well is because honestly the best thing that you could play was something that could get value but also just be rezzed easily and that's that was something about like winston yeah. right if, as long as you didn't die in like narnia like you were fine because like mm -hmm. the re the moth could just come and res you instantly and that's like we you were talking about before josh about like teams just gave so much space it was like this ideology of like everyone just sort of like postures and then you're like okay we're gonna fight that's not how overwatch works anymore <laughs> there is like three different fights happening on the point of the map at different times there's traces duelings there's widows checking sidelines there's tanks fighting for positioning there is so much work that's being done and like so much individual and sort of like duo and trio play while in this it was just like very like okay we're going we're running forward and then just like what ultimates are we going to use okay just use these ones and then we just run at each other like the the growth of like team play but also controlling space is just not even yeah. really recognized yeah. at this that's, point 
that's the huge thing is controlling the space on the defense that's the massive thing that i'm noticing is missing and i think okay it's especially going to be pronounced in this game because this ends up being a 6-5 on anubis so of course the defensive teams were doing something incorrectly but this is a great example i think to showcase how much the defensive teams are not really fighting for early control i mean it actually looks like the soul dynasty are set up to do so here with their their dive defense at the beginning but uh, we'll we'll see how this works out. But That's aside from this, we haven't re really seen people controlling the point or trying yeah. to put early damage on people as they enter through an area or like try and actually deny early positioning to people or at least make them work for it. I wonder if I, I, the the Insta Mercy Res has essentially it held back the game for the few short months that it was in. In terms of just play... Like you weren't thinking intelligently about how to mitigate damage to not feed ultimate charge. You were just... You were just worried about getting a maximum value, inting onto the high HP targets, and swinging again with the Resurrect so that you have like... Just like look at that strategy and you can what understand how... Like, Dallas Fuel just ran to the point and then Soul dove them and it was just like, well, like, let's let's see who wins. Like, there was no rhyme or reason to that. Why did Soul wait until they got to the point? Point before they I'm dove. Well, I mean, they, at the they same time, They, they dove for the Mercy, obviously, and Mercy was on the point. So they just yeah. go... Yeah, that is that is a weird one. I feel like if that, I mean, you you'd be asking questions if teams were running the same compositions, of course. But if you if you were running the same kind of team comps, I feel like you take the early pick on like if they have managed to get to the point too quickly because Harry speed boost in there. You take the early pick on effect and then you come back and you try and no. take the you high. Remember, this is insta res mercy. You can't protect yeah. the body anymore. Like that oh, that yeah, ideology doesn't work anymore. Like yeah, it, yeah. the mercy can literally because. I think I'm right about this. I'm not 100% sure it was a while ago, but I think as soon as you rezzed, your Guardian Angel went off cooldown as well. So therefore, as soon as you rezzed, you could fly again. Yeah. So wow. that, that like, it was just my so God. easy to res people. So the Mercy was always the most valuable. Right, right, yeah. What the hell are you supposed to do against oh that? Oh my God. I don't know if I missed this meta at all. No. <laughs> yeah, it's horrific. I, yeah. I, I think you have to have... Well. Yeah was just buying time for the Widowmaker like this. Like, obviously, yeah. it, it's, it's a bit different this fight, but as Bren mentioned, like, Widowmakers were so powerful that if you could just buy time, I think referencing point A as well, like, you will hold far back on point A just to buy more time until the attackers actually reached you. Because if you fought early on in the point, it was easier to shut down the Widowmaker. So you would just, like, buy as much time as possible for the Widowmaker because it was just OP. Mm. It's... Yeah, it's, it, I feel like the, um, yeah, what the, I don't know, what these defensive teams are really missing, though, is some way of putting a lot of pressure on them as they're actually running in through the choke. They're literally just, I mean, they're, they're actually just speed boosting in through chokes without taking any damage, right? Because yeah. they're running, like, Genji Tracer dive comps. It doesn't seem like, I mean, isn't that the best way of trying to play against these kind of things? Maybe that's why Junkrat Widow ended up being better, though, because you are actually... <laughs> Just go back for it. Well, <laughs> this is actually a point I wanted to bring up on the first point, is um, the Winston dive on first point defense was actually really prominent for all the Korean teams. They loved doing that on the first point Anubis, mm. while a lot of Western teams, they loved the Junkrat, and that's what made the Houston Outlaws yeah. so famous, is that Jake Junkrat defense on first point, because it was so hard to dive and it was so hard to break. But I think... This is like goes back to the same point I was making. Now, when you think about it, if you're playing dive against a double shield team or a shield heavy team that has high damage, all you do is you give them the front and you flank. So that, like, how is the Settle Dynasty playing dive and somehow Effect finds a free, like, free shot on the top of the archway without being pressured by the Winston, the Diva, or the Genji? Like, that doesn't make any sense, like, in the ideology of now how you play the game. So, like, 
I think it's just weird how these teams are playing dive and thinking like how wrong we were playing it back then compared to how we are playing it now. Right, sure. and is, is that it also because of the insta-res mercy that just kind of set back that way of thinking? You're not thinking about how to intelligently yeah. engage and how to yeah, I think so. maximize your own HP pool because you've just, you, 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 the, the quick and easy solution is essentially just chucking bodies at it and you can undo the damage instantly. You can have like a 500, also, 500 health swing instantly. Yeah. But also, it's really hard to let the opponents... Like, you have to punish the opponent mercy really fast. Otherwise, they get away with murder, too. So it's a multi-pronged yeah. kind of thing that right. caused the issues here, I think. And, yeah, I'm, I am inclined to agree with you that it did. Um, at the end of the day, though, the dive actually ended up being Oof. good even after mercy had been um, yes, nerfed. Yeah. It's, yeah, Dallas are trying to play some, like, multi-pronged defense here where they're playing from multiple high grounds. But Solar eating their butts. They, they just don't seem I mean, to have a solution just... to Fletter. Like, Fletter just yeah. seems to be doing whatever he wants running around this map right now and just, like, one-tapping everyone. Yeah, what, I, what I'm what i interested in as well, though, is that Dallas just hold their grounds on all of the high grounds. They don't really... They don't try and move around the map as the yeah. defense to, um, to, like... You know, when, when teams will get dived these days, you you give up a high ground and you'll reposition somewhere else and you'll continue yeah. to poke them from a distance. The Dallas Fuel are essentially running a poke comp there, I guess, kind of like Junkrat soldier kind of stuff. But they don't give up the high grounds when they get pressured. They just stand their ground and die. Yeah, I think yeah. there was a lot of confidence in the other high grounds to like help you out. So mm. like if they dove you, then the other people on the other high ground would be open to just kill the opponents for you. And so you'd set, yeah. like have your like sentry points where you just stand and then they couldn't dive all of you at once. I think Soul Dynasty, you know, they, they didn't have the best season one, but they were one of the smaller teams like with Miro, Winston yeah. and Flera Genji to actually maneuver those kind of... Uh, um, those kind of points and like diving properly with uh, the monkeys that are like that was Miro's expertise. Like, how how do you dive safely uh, without taking too much damage and like actually maneuver around the map, right? So they were actually quite good at shutting this down. This is interesting. Dallas Fuel are running a, a somber defense here, and Taimu's got his EMP. They forced the trance out of Yu Hong, but they've they've died and they've immediately got all of the space. He now used it. On... Oh, kill a tracer. I mean, he's just used it to kill, yeah, it to solo kill yeah, a tracer, I guess. Yeah, he just used it, yeah. I was surprised. But it just inst <laughs> it's yeah, then they, yeah, they just... And I, I think this is a mindset of back then as well, is that if you can just force the transcendence out, it's like, then you can... Like, all you need to do is get a team fight winning ultimate, right? Because, like, if you get one pick, it doesn't matter, as we just saw. Like, we just saw four picks, and they all became redundant yeah. instantly. Like, I think the, like getting the transcendence out is worth it if you can get a high value emp and the reason this defense falls apart is they get the transcendence out but then time is solo emp is a tracer like it wasn't worth it he's better off like saving it for this moment where he can hit four or five people and you can kill because you need to kill three people to get an effective pick so like it's yeah. i think it's just sort of like a mistake by time in this point it is absolutely bonkers though the the impact that mercy's having in these games because yeah when, when you think about it these days if someone gets resurrected you're like okay they got rezzed but they had to burn a bunch of abilities to be able to get the mercy in position to get a safe res the res is now on cooldown we can think about that and we can use that as an advantage in the fight the mercy's just zipping around in the sky doesn't there's require no, any no abilities punishment. to set up there's no, yeah. there's no punish possible. And also, when they res, it's not like a cooldown that you can track and play around. Because they just get it up again immediately. 
and they're able to insta-res somebody else. It's so hard to play around. It was a moth meta for a reason. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was just, oh, there's just moths in the sky just reviving, and, like, it was chaos. People hated it. Um, well, uh, some I, people I think, hated it. Some people loved well, it. I, I, think, know, I think people, <laughs> in general, I think the community sentiment at the time was that it was a really bad meta to kick off the Overwatch League on. Yeah, I think was. that was Absolutely. the community was. sentiment yeah. at the time because we had had great metas b before this. We had had like... Um, actually, we had that Soldier Winston composition, but people were so tired of it that I remember like Jeff Kaplan made that post about yeah. like balancing and their, uh, they, they were like, oh, we're going to do it like StarCraft. We're like... You know, it takes like two years maybe, but eventually they'll figure out the counter to a strategy and we'll just let the game play out itself. And obviously we're way past that now, but we came off that soldier meta uh, that lasted for like a year, I think, in Korea and then yeah. into the Moth uh, Mercy meta now. And people were just like, WTF, like what's happening? This is crazy. Um, and then stage two was when i think i remember like the valiant and costa was on the valiant at that time as well that's where i think agilities genjis are being played more they were more dive heavy styles in stage two and three i think i could be wrong I, I think I, no i joined in halfway through the season i'm pretty sure yeah but with the meta as well i think in stage oh, two yeah. three it was more genji right and oh yeah no 100 percent was because yeah. um i think did they nerf mercy yeah, in they stage sure two, they, yeah. Yeah, well, stage that might two, have been stage two, and then everyone started playing a lot more Lucio, Anna, yeah, Zen, and all that kind of stuff. Because that was the next issue that Dallas had was that we just we didn't really have a good dive. Like we did, we could our team fundamentally could not play dive well. Because if you think about Envy, Envy never really played dive very effectively, like super yeah. effectively, right? Because they don't really have that star Genji player. They, uh, you know the dive in itself like uh when you think of um coco his winston wasn't in my opinion his strongest part of his game then you have xqc so now you're trying to put xqc into the uh, like ideology of mickey like well, joining Dallas fuel i think mickey stagnated as a player as well so hard at the start of uh, yeah. the dallas fuel uh, for, for 2018 if you think about the i think off tank was one of the positions that evolved probably the most in 2018 uh, in yeah. terms of how it was played like people got very intelligent very quickly at how to play it um and if you got left behind it was so integral to a part of the dive in terms of your your cooldown management and how you were playing that one particular role like having a good diva player was so important yeah what, what am i witnessing yeah, I don't know what like, okay so to sum up, Dallas Fuel have been speed boosting to point so that they have the low ground. And Effect has been playing from like the market or the point area when sniping. Whereas Fletter grappled and Effect actually tried to flank all the way around the left, like up and behind them as well. Whereas Fletter's been like going to the attacker arch to be able to get a replay. Instead of Dallas Fuel rotating to like the high ground where Munchkin and Ryuji Hong are playing, pushing those guys off and then having Effect play from arch, they... They're just speed boosting to point. I'm really confused as to why that's happening. But I guess this is the first time Solo... Look at this. Like, Effect's wow. trying to rotate around that side. What, instead of like, waiting for his team to create the space for him, yeah. he's going it's, it's on the an, flank. It's wild. 
it's an old school way of thinking as well but like dallas keeps doing the same thing over and over again we're at a six four maybe it's time to like change up a strategy or something like that like back in the day everyone used to like if it worked once it'll work again like they've sped to point every single time they've been on this first point attack to the point that you saw flutter knew where effect was going to peak and when he was going to peak he like saw the exact moment and then just peaked and effect dies like and then dallas just keeps hitting their head against this point like it's just it's just odd as you said having yeah. this like almost yeah. like thinking this was overwatch league level times because the, like the, the play is just nowhere near yeah like you you want to use what worked in scrims or like what worked you, you want to go for a strat especially if you're playing especially if you're still trying to figure out the game at the you know right at the beginning of the season the meta is still developing you don't want to just try and wing it halfway through. So I can yeah. understand where teams were coming from. It's just that with the benefit of hindsight, we know that the better thing to do is just get your players to the point where they can improvise. Yeah, but um, I mean, especially, uh, uh, like I mentioned earlier, like this high ground positioning that Soul are now abusing. Oh, now like, they um, Oh, yeah, they did swap, actually. Uh, Effect Genji. Uh, yeah. Fun to see that. But like I said, like, Point A Anubis, like, was an actual conundrum. Like, pe people just couldn't yeah. wrap their heads around it. Like, you can see the flank coming in here now. Like, I mean, what, that was a great shot, actually. But, like, pe show, people yeah. just didn't know how to deal with it. Like, it's not like you could say, like, oh, let's just go dive or let's go this comp. Uh, let's play around this pick. Like, people people were... When people selected compositions to counter this point A defense, they, they actually felt kind of hopeless because they didn't know how to do it. Like, there was no thought-out way that oh you kind of had to God. scramble. And now they're obviously scrambling because their main yeah, strategy yeah. died. Um, and so there was so little... Um, there, there were just so few strategies that worked to defeat this point A defense that I think there's some desperation in the play of Dallas Fueler. Because like, at the time, there, there was no... There was no creativity. Like, there was no way you knew how to actually take this yeah. down apart from your main but strategy. But that's the thing about creativity is it's not just like you can't you can't be mad at the Dallas Fuel here for not inventing the way of winning yeah. on a new bit point A, right? Like that that would be ridiculous to say that oh they're they're so bad they can't even come up with it. I mean it, it it's the process of many many teams trying many different things, figuring out one thing that works, and then people realizing oh that's the reason that that works. Now let's try some different things that are related, see if we can improve on it. It's like yeah. you're all learning from each other and copying from each other and learning as a as a group as a collective. So obviously the first games you're you're going to be destroyed. I feel like though there isn't really too much of that anymore in. I don't know. There, there aren't very many maps where there's just areas that are you feel hopeless pushing against them. I can't. I, I, I feel like it's like that. Do any of them still exist in the game? I. I maybe on Paris actually. Yeah, Paris still exist. Like I think it's the way that the the strength of the spots that they were in right is like soul dynasty has that spot and it feels like a really hopeless thing to do because you can't play widowmaker against it because their widowmaker is permanently pocketed and sitting behind a shield you can't like fully dive it you can't really like spread out because they can just pick you like apart like it was like an, a hard problem to solve because i remember like trying to solve this problem and like that's why we did the we're gonna run to point and just be really tanky on the point because yeah. if you force them to drop that was your win condition right so yeah. there is ideas. I think it's less common these days because I think people have just worked out because we've been playing the game for so long, how, what the win conditions of these maps are. Like now, if you yeah. think about it, 
attacking first point Anubis. The best way to break that defense is to get top right. If you can get one or two people in the top right, force them to look at you, the rest of your team walks around for free. But Dallas didn't try to do that once. They were just yeah. trying to get in through the left side and that gave Soul Dynasty a free rotation. So I think it's just players have got smarter and teams have got smarter on understanding not only as a team, but individually how you attack these points. Yeah, this I was... think as time was closing out this map, sorry, Bran, uh, with Solier and XQC going primal as well. Uh, love to see this. Um, no, no, I, I think there are different problems. And <laughs> I think nowadays it's less about solving map design problems where like positioning is key. And it's more about solving out like compositions. Because at this point in the game, we've sort of figured out all of the positional, uh, like all, all the positioning what am I going with this? They, they were like, we sold out, we sold the maps, like Costa said. Like, yeah. there's no positioning cheese anymore. And there was a time where like pirate ship was so good on Junkertown, if you knew the positioning and how to move along the map as well. Whereas now it's like, you know how to counter the positioning part. It's actually the composition part that is harder to break down and harder to get an advantage in. But there was so much like positional cheese that we hadn't explored at the time. So yeah, yeah. sorry, go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that I think the understanding of like how to, look at a map and uh immediately dictate where the strong areas to hold are where to punish that's that's something that was developing at the time and now i think it's just a skill that that people go onto a map and it doesn't take as long anymore to try and figure out somebody's somebody's maps obviously it's depending on the compositions and like the meta at the time and i think we've already elaborated pretty hard on the impact of like the insta res mercy and how that had an effect on the way teams approach a lot of these fights but yeah, it's it's interesting to look at that, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, why are they not just <laughs> going onto the right side and like slowly taking map control away and uh, and and forcing them out and choking them out, and then setting up a, a, an engagement for the rest of the team? It is very much brute force, but like you said, Josh, you can't think of it like that because we have already been blessed yeah. with the information of literally three years of gameplay. <laughs> yeah, of, it's of it's not. It that's played. the thing. It's not creativity for us. It's memory. Yes. Right, like yes, we exactly. we've remembered it, we've seen it before, so it's recall. Whereas for them, it was like actually you had to come up with the strategy to be able to win. And I think that choking out idea that you had there, Bren, is part of the reason why New York were actually the best team in the entirety of 2018. Is because these these positional things yeah. had not been figured out, yeah. and New York's biggest strength was they would fight for the key positions on every map, set up on the best areas possible, and just choke you out. And you were just left in a corner where you couldn't fight against them properly. You were just you felt hopeless because they had all the best positions on attack or defense. It, it's actually funny because it reminds me of a thing that happened earlier this season for Johnny when Johnny was looking at why Sinatra switched to Doomfist on second point Eichenwald when they were losing. And Johnny went on this, like, and Johnny's right. He goes on this, like, <laughs> down the rabbit hole of, like, the reason he has to go Doomfist is because his tanks are getting isolated. He needs to apply more pressure onto the back line. So he needs to play Doomfist and he needs to have that, like, presence, right? And he does that. And Sinatra responds to him on Twitter being like, I don't know, bro. I just thought Doomfist would work. See, but Sinatra has played the game so much that he instantly has that recognition of this is how we can win the game, yeah, right? He yeah. doesn't have to go down this long process of like this, 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 and this. He understands that that is the win condition. Oh, that's the time of MP that we missed, by the way. It was not good. <laughs> Sorry. The, um, <laughs> we, we, we've skipped ahead now, Custer. Okay, where are we, we at? Uh, I think we should go to the last map because we don't have much more time remaining. This one, this one is only nine minutes long. Yeah, this one's it nine minutes. So we, quick. We don't. We won't have enough time to finish the series. Oh, won't we? No. How long is the last one? How much? Do you, what are we? Out, or is it just me, Bran? Yeah, I think so. But Do you guys have an out? 
We, we, I mean, we kind of do, yeah. Okay, well. Okay, if you, uh, want, if you want to skip uh, it, Leos, uh, uh, that's fine. I mean, I'm, I thought, I, I thought I we were waiting for Jonathan, and Jonathan said he was fine. We can skip. We can skip Elios. Yeah, and then we, we should be good. Does that sound good? We still got time. like thirty minutes to go with like Numbani. I think Numbani is like thirty minutes or something, right? So, uh, wait, uh, how many more maps do we have in this? There's two left. Two. There's two left, nine right? minutes Elios, yeah. and then twenty, thirty minutes Numbani or something. Let, let's let's minutes. just let's yeah let's cap it with the Numbani then instead of looking at the Elios. I think. Okay. Even if the All Elios right. is short sure because we are. We're on a time crunch for this one. So. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit haphazard, but you know I've really enjoyed this uh, podcast so far. I've been having a yeah. blast. This has been yeah. super. I think people are really going to enjoy this as well because I I think there yeah. are a lot of people who got into the Overwatch League around probably like 2019 and yeah. maybe yeah. even later. And like as much as a lot of eyes were on the early 2018 season, like it's uh, yeah, it's I think there's going to be a lot of our listeners who probably don't know what it was like back then. So, and also the nostalgia, of course. I mean, of course, I, I love this kind of nostalgia. It's great. Uh, Custom one one thirty-five forty-one. One thirty-five forty-one. I'm ready. You want it? Yeah. All right, on go again. And I'm gonna go to the bathroom straight afterwards. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Things can get a little bit crazy on the uh, scraps when you. So, who actually won on Ilios? <laughs> I, mean, uh, I know that. Because it's oh, actually, no, it's a Fortnite it? series. I forgot. Oh god, yeah, I think so didn't long. didn't Soul win? I think Sol did win, though. Yeah. I think they did. I know we lose think, Yeah, you, I think you guys lose the series 3-1, though I could be yeah. wrong. I, I remember losing this series because it was... Sorry, 2-1. Like yeah, 2-1, yeah, because yeah, there, there was a draw on this, I think. Yeah, there's a there's a draw on the final oh. map. It yeah. ended on a draw, which is just another incredible callback to early Overwatch, isn't yeah. it? Um, when the fourth map just doesn't matter, but you have to play it anyway, because it's for yeah. map score. Well, here it actually mattered, but you know, couldn't yeah. couldn't get the deal done. But yeah, we'd have those three O series. We was like, uh, actually, I remember actually talking about that, and I don't think, po contrary to popular uh, to uh, popular belief, what what is the word? Contrary yeah. to uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if a series was decided three O, I don't actually think it affected the viewership that much because people just enjoyed like watching Overwatch at the time. It, it made um, almost zero difference. No one yeah. would leave the Blizzard Arena, and barely anyone would leave the stream. In fact, I think that was really? part of the reason. Yeah, I think that was actually part of the reason that um, that there were so many claims of like uh, shady shit happening on on the the Overwatch streams was because people were like, how can they retain all of their viewership when they're in the fourth map? It must be bullshit. They must be viewbotting the streams. And it's it's like no, the Overwatch players are just uh, Overwatch fans just have no idea what they want to watch. They just want to watch. <laughs> yeah. This was the thing to watch as well because there were no streams going on at the same time. Like, yeah. you you wouldn't have like individual streamer compete with the Overwatch League, and so it didn't make sense to stream during it. And the pro players couldn't stream during the Overwatch League, right? So, yeah, yeah Overwatch League was the only thing that was on in the category. Um, but going into Numbani, it's actually quite a nice. Um, it's, it's a nice move from Anubis to Numbani because Point A as well is one of those Awful. maps where positional. Um, position mattered so much, especially in the early days. Like, you remember those Lunatic High strategies that had, like, Torbjorn and stuff, and we'd go like, oh my yeah, god, yeah. they keep holding on the body point A! Because it was positional advantages that they had just figured out before everyone else. And so it wasn't actually down to as much hero compositions or like mechanical skill. Just like figuring out Numbani and like point B high ground, point A high ground. It was so difficult at the time. Obviously Dallas Fuel capped it like straight away now with Taimu and Effect doing good work on uh, Tracer and 
soldier, but this was another one of those maps that positionally was so hard to figure out at the start. Am I losing my mind? I haven't seen the default soldier crosshair in years. Did they change it, or did does has Blizzard stopped using it or something? I swear I'm I haven't seen. Sure. I, think I swear they I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, I think they swap. I think they have a general crosshair now. But yeah, I, I'm guessing. Right. I'm guessing, but I think they have a general. Yeah, I don't think I've seen the default one as much either. Like, oh wait, maybe just no one's played Soldier in the last three yeah, years. I don't know. So like, <laughs> seeing that Soldier crosshair expand as he shot, I was like, I swear I haven't seen this since 2018. Uh, I, I actually something as well about these positional advantages and stuff like that. We got to remember they've Blizzard has done a phenomenal job of adding heroes that solve problems as well. Like, as well, yeah. like, I think Wrecking Ball did a great job of being like, well, we were talking about Winston, how it's, like, almost impossible to survive. It's like, well, let's make a, a less impactful but more survivable Winston, and that's what Wrecking Ball solved the problem of. And then they added Ash. It's like, we need something that has the mid-range of Hitscan that's not Widowmaker but also not McCree. So, like, I yeah. think they've done a great job of, like, really mixing heroes that allowed you to solve issues with... Um, with these like high grounds positional advantages that's why we're also yeah. seeing some weird wacky strategies happening here the other th the other thing i'm noticing as well uh, while we're on the topic of winston's is that both mirror and xqc even though they're rated in this game as like some of the the best that you would see in the world their primals are awful not in terms of the actual mechanics of their primals but the timing of them doesn't actually generate value for their team when you see people play winston now one of the ways they get around the fact that winston is shredded so easily is that you wait until you have a nano or you have a primal in order to make space for the rest of your team and here they're doing it with a nano boost but they're never doing it with their primal rage particularly where they wait yeah. for like them to have a primal they engage with the primal and make space for the rest of their team they're normally using it to try and like get kills or oh. what a what a pulse bomb they're yeah. normally using it to try, like try and get kills or survive at the end of a fight or something did he just use his diva bomb yeah i think he did yeah yeah that's questionable <laughs> That, um, that Sunba bomb was legendary, by the way. When XQC was slept on the car and Sunba just locked yes. it in. Oh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. a legendary one, by the way. Has that um, already happened? Did I miss that? Yeah, that already happened. Happened last yeah. fight, yeah. Um, do we want to talk about Soul Dynasty here or anything? Because they were a similar Dallas Fuel situation where they just brought in these star players as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Sunba was actually not part of Lunatic High prior to Soul Dynasty. I could be wrong on that. But Munchkin also came in before the season started. Munchkin was like uh, this young prodigy, like superstar hit scam prodigy. Uh, at the time, he was uh, playing for... Oh my god, I can't remember what, it, what they're called. Uh, it, it was like one of those... It was one of those Korean teams that have like a blue and a red. Uh, but I can't remember. Wasn't, what wasn't Munchkin playing for um, Cloud9? Laser Kittens? Before. No, it was playing Yeah, Laser Kittens. Yeah, he was playing for Laser Kittens. Oh, yeah, he, he was a, a, a star prodigy, and people were like Munchkin, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, well, yeah. I was actually. Yeah. But then Flatter joined the team from Flashlux as well. Sunba came in yeah. from. Uh, was oh, I, it, I that thought Sunba was playing with. I them. thought Sunba was I... on Lunatic High. Yeah, I think he was on Lunatic High as well. Oh, he joined. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was maybe like the last high. year or so, but he wasn't yeah. part of that for long. It was like a superstar no, pickup at the time, like 2017, I think. Yeah, he got picked up at the end. Apparently, I'm looking at the, the Overdog.gg page now. He got picked up at the end of 2016, and he played until October 2017. Oh, well, I completely Overdog fucked that up. Sorry, Soul fans. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I yeah, remember I, the acquisition Flutter of Flutter was the big one. one. Yeah, because yeah, he, he'd big always one. been on Flashlux, which was a notoriously bad team. They lost to Fnatic in apex that's how bad they were and but fled was always that shining star and i actually remember yeah. talking to like kai kai and the envy guys when i was talking to them they're like 
they're like, oh yeah, flash sucks. Don't worry about them. They're trash. All you got to do is shut down um, Fletter because he will literally one v six you. If you leave him alone, he will actually kill your whole team. And he's like, they, he did that multiple times to us in the scrim block. So it was like, Fletter acquisition to Soul Dynasty was actually so good. And he, honestly, he was one of the few bright spots of the 2018 season for yeah, Soul Dynasty because they had a, they did yeah. struggle. There were yeah. faker comparisons, I remember, in 2018. Like, people yeah, at the I time, because, like, Overwatch League was, like, big shit now. It was like, oh, my God, Overwatch League is big shit now, Overwatch. <laughs> Who is our faker? Oh, it's Fleta. Fleta is going to be the faker because he's this, like, emotionless, like, kind of robot figure. He popped off <laughs> on far, I, I remember. And, like, people were just like, oh, my God, he's the faker of Overwatch. And people just the... went crazy. I don't think that was why the comparisons were being made, that he was emotional. No, it was one of them. I remember. I remember that was one of them. Because, like, people Wasn't can make, like, similar comparisons to it. Yeah, he was very, like... Was good? <laughs> yeah, sure, he was good. But, like, there's still, like, personality, you know, sure. when you make it's comparisons like, between yeah. players. You can't just take, like, a super erratic, like, extrovert player and compare him to an introvert. Like, when usually yeah. when you make, like, player comparisons, yeah. they're of a similar play style, a similar way they're thinking about the game, and si also, similar emotion. They're like. You've also got to remember that that was the opinion at the very beginning of the game by some some fans and, and, and personalities. But that this, this game was very new and like people still it was one of the first introductions to korean esports for a lot yeah. of people yeah. that weren't previously into league of legends so they still kind of just interpreted all the korean players as being like robots like if you hadn't followed season apex that is like the classic um like dismissive uh view of the korean superstar players that you'll you would hear parroted a lot back then that yeah. people don't tend to think of now at all because we're so much more familiar with the korean players and you would be if you watched apex back then as well but it was these, these kind of takes were relatively common back then I remember yeah, I'm not trying to be condescending here. I'm not trying to be condescending yeah, I... towards Fleta, but that was like the thinking at the time. Like that was the, the community sentiment. I feel like at the time, Seoul did yeah. struggle though. They would have they would a team that was promised. I mean, people were expecting this team to be in the in the grand finals. And over yeah, the I, had them, I had them top two. I had Dallas at number three. I think I had London one. <laughs> although maybe I had Seoul one and London two. A lot of people had London high up in the end because they were just yeah. two superstar well, rosters. Yeah, together, exactly. Right? I, do exactly. you remember when I uh, there was a segment in 2018 I did where I basically blamed Ryuji Hong for a loss? Yeah. <laughs> and I got death threats. How did that from go over? <laughs> oh, I from got, Ilios, yeah. I remember. I think. Yeah. Now, in hindsight, I think when I look back at my understanding of the game in 2018, it was kind of mirrored off of the individual individualistic kind of play style that the teams had back then. Where it was like more like individual hero swaps and individual players popping off. Like the discipline in the team environment hadn't developed yet. And my, my understanding of the game was just fucking way far behind that, even further behind. So I was making these ac these accusations, essentially. Just blaming Ryu Hong for the loss of the entire map, which at the time I now know is wrong. But fucking hell. I mean, was I it? Some... I also... The thing is, as well... If it was an early game like this, it is possible that... Yeah, like, it's it's he, possible that yeah, I was right about game. it. I, 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 am, I would have to watch the map in order to have an opinion. It is actually possible that that was the case back in these kind yeah. of games. Like, I feel like an individual... Um, well, it's more valid than it is now, for sure, of when course, you look yeah. at how they play. Yeah. yeah. I, the, the, it's actually... It, sorry, you go. You finish. Okay. The, the point I wanted to make off the back of that, though, is that, like, Soul Dynasty, this was, like, an injection of just the Korean culture with the Overwatch League fan base for a lot of people with their first instance of of esports was the Overwatch League. 
and I, I I remember it. The fan base was fanatic at the time. You had this, you had the crossover, that cross section of K-pop fans online, and then they were like, "Ooh, this new esports. I've played Overwatch before." The Overwatch League? Oh, what's the Korean team? Seoul Dynasty. And that, that cross-section. I don't know if you remember those instances just from social media, but it was just, just manic at times. Yeah, I don't really and remember it, honestly. I, I do. I remember this all. But, like, I could not, like, I think if it was hard as a Dallas fan with the Western, but Western Overwatch fans are very, like, reassuring. They're like, don't worry about it. You get them next game, that kind of stuff. The Korean fans of Seoul Dynasty, they were savage to them. Seoul finished yeah. eight. And they lost a lot of games, but you could just see how much of a toll every single lost yeah. Soul Dynasty had took on them. They were just, it was so hard. And I actually attribute a lot of their like failures in season one to that amount of pressure that they were given. They struggled to grow like the Dallas Fuel and they struggled to adapt to the ever growing and the fast growing metas and stuff like that. And I think Soul just, a couple of their players didn't live up to expectations. Like Jae Hong wasn't the dominant force that he was coming into Al. Uh, Miro really struggled with the changes of how Winston was played throughout oh, the season. Oh, yeah. he really struggled, yeah. And yeah. Munchkin didn't really live up to the hype, as you said, that he had coming into the season. I think that really just, it was so hard for them. And you, you have to feel for the guys because they are phenomenal players. I think without that expectations, they could have been a top four, top 16. But I think yeah. all of that combined just makes a, makes a failure. Uh, it's a downward spiral as well, because before you had these like tournaments and you had to get a break between every tournament, like you collect your thoughts, like what changes do we need to be made? Overwatch League was this continuous season that went on for months and you were awful. in a different country, specifically for Seoul Dynasty, right? Like there were Koreans coming through America and they were just staying yeah. for months, like over half a year. And so there's this big continuous, like... <laughs> Almost like a nine to five job where you wake up, you play Overwatch all, like all over again in a country you're, you're not familiar yeah. with, and like more it's than, so more hard than to... nine to five as well. Oh yeah, yeah more than no, nine to five. Yeah, it was but it's that, that's the same level of like what I'm saying, like continuity, uh, continuity yeah, yeah. to it. Like you cannot catch a break to reconsider what you're going through, and it's so hard to snap out of that mentality. Unlike the tournaments uh, leading up to the Overwatch League. I actually want to hit on that as well because like that was a big factor of why teams that struggled early never recovered because yeah. the season never ended. There was like a week break between each of the stages, right? So the Overwatch League is like, these guys will just take a week off, won't they? No. What you're going to do is yeah. you're going to spend that week screwing even harder to make sure you can solve the problems and be ahead. There was never a time in which players were ever really able to leave their arena. And we used to practice in the arena, which was... Consider like an, a dungeon almost because it was oh, yeah. just no windows, hallway, no windows, yeah. white room, doors next to doors, next to doors, next to doors, next to doors, and everyone had computers and you were just expected to be there and work. Like Shanghai Dragons, they went 0 and 40, but those guys practiced 14 hours a day, 12 hours Shanghai, a day. They had more than most the teams. most rigorous schedules. Out we of would finish. Yeah. We would finish our 12 hour broadcast days for the day, and you'd be, we'd walk down that corridor where all the teams' rooms were, yeah. and we would hear just the, the Shanghai Dragons in that room, yeah, just, yeah. just shouting very regularly. Essentially, it, I almost used to every single night. I used to go home sometimes at like 1 a.m. because I would finish streaming because my, my schedule oh, yeah. was sometimes <laughs> that I would just stay there afterwards and stream afterwards after the broadcast days. And so I would go home at like 1 a.m., sometimes 3 a.m. And I would still sometimes see occasionally players like trickling out of the rooms. It was it was wild. It, like it was insane. But like there was such a there was such a fever to improve and you realize that all of the other teams are improving and so you don't want to get just left in the dust yeah 
I mean, a ton of people got burned out. There, there were a lot of like, so when we when we actually were done with a broadcast as well, and like when we were to walk out of the building, there was this separate uh, exit where like the players would also exit out of. When you would when you would go home, there were a lot of stressed out players taking smoke breaks with like yeah, frowns yeah, yeah. on their faces because yeah. they were like burnt out or like they were like discussing a match or something. There, there, there was a lot of smoke breaks for some of these with, players with a few with a few fans that have found the back entrance. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. they had to stop telling people they can't come back in because yeah, just just hovering around because like yeah, it yeah. wasn't a very protected area. But yeah, it was like it was it was a depressing place to be honestly um, in the arena and outside the arena, especially towards the end of the season because. It was just so hard and like we talk about burnout now with travel like i think because the overwatch league was new and everyone was getting paid good money now and all that kind of stuff people endured and they dealt with it but it was we have not seen conditions like that ever and we won't yeah. ever again 40 matches in the short period of time that we have played with everyone stuck with limited breaks was just it was just incredible uh and it's, it, was, it was impressive to the teams that managed to do it well and i think a lot of teams learned a lot of lessons yeah what do you think about, to take this on a totally different tangent for a moment, what do you think about the the compositions that they're running in terms of the thought process with what ults are going to be useful in the fights or like synergies with ultimates? Because I feel like when I look at a lot of these compositions, like for example, the the Soldier Tracer or like what the Soul Dynasty are running now where they're running Soldier Doomfist and Zumba was was on D.Va, but now they're swapping over to the Ryan Zarya. Like the, there's no synergy there with the ults. If, no. you, if you get into a situation where you have ults, what are you trying to do? You're trying to primal for space and then trance to stop them doing something? You have no ult so... to create win conditions for your team. But at the same time, I think generally speaking, the, the comps that win the neutral fights are the better comps. But Yeah, because, because these... so much of it is... I think the Mercy, the, the Mercy insta res just negates ultimates. You can use an ultimate yeah. to get a pick. And, and, and yeah, that sure. one ability that you can use twice in a row can just negate multiple ultimates. So what we're seeing is a much more individualistic style of the game that you're not really going to see ever again, I think. It's, it's so much like comfort picks almost as well from a lot of these players that we've seen over the course of watching this series. It is really weird as well, because if you try and take space away from your opponents and you get a pick, the, the Mercy can literally fly to your back lines and res before you can punish her. I, it feels like, yeah, it feels like you need some CC to be able to deal with it. But obviously, there's no brig in the back lines to be able to actually yeah. Yeah. do that. And like, what, you're just going to run a McCree the entire time? I suppose you could to try and punish the Mercy a little bit, but what I don't know whether those were the game at this viable. Sleep dart. I guess, yeah, sleep and um, Doomfist, I suppose, is some CC as well. Yes, yeah. Sombra. I am surprised that Sombra wasn't played more, but I assume that it wasn't really effective to hack the Mercy because she flew around too fast or something. Why do I feel like it's not in the state that we think it was in? Was it a longer hack time? I think it might have been a I longer, think it was a longer, longer hack, hack time. time. Yeah, and I think she. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you built up ultimate so quickly in this that they they would have Valkyrie almost every, like every other fight. It, it feels like Did Sombra should be ridiculously good in this meta. Wait, she, I don't think she had permanent invisibility at this point. Did, when did that come in? Actually, now that I'm oh, thinking about yeah. it. That's a good point. Permanent invisibility? Sombra didn't always have permanent invisibility. No, it used, to be... so. it used to be like 14 seconds or something. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. I remember there used to be yeah. like because like I, I had to learn Sombra for that period of time where Flexiboard had to learn how to play Sombra because people was using like hacking the packs and getting ult charged that way. Yeah. Um and you have to you have to have routes, right? You have to know how long your invisibility was and how you would get somewhere. So that, that's crazy. It might have been fixed before that. this, but I cannot 100% remember. So I, I'm trying to work out why Sombra wasn't as prominent here because I feel like Sombra would be good in these metas. Um, but it just doesn't Is it just the discipline? You. Like, they've been playing these comps for so long. It was Look at that of... on XQC. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> they pushed forwards and suddenly there's a Ryan in their back lines. Like, what? What? It's like a deliberate pincer that you can set up by feeding your tank into them. It's <laughs> bananas. I think it's uh, it's the discipline, right? It's the fact that the teams weren't they weren't oh trained. They weren't what? on the team play, the team play aspects, and so like characters like Sombra, which do require a high level of of yeah, uh, teamwork can, to try and get value out of. The, the teams just hadn't been playing in that way. They haven't been thinking about that state. Like when you're in this meta, you it's so individualistic. Like you're you're looking at the tanks inting into yeah, the backline. People are playing tracer trying to get these solo pulse bombs off. They're taking one v ones in random directions. Sometimes a McCree just decides to go for a hike just on the left side of the map. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's all over the place. But honestly, that's how the game is played these days, which is interesting because I think the game is played more that way. I think it's weird that they're playing this individual style that you're talking about, but while also trying to team fight. It feels like they're playing this dive, but also not utilizing the flanks as much as people do it these days. Yeah. Especially with characters like Wrecking Ball, Tracer, Echo, like those characters seem to, and Ash, like they seem to flank a lot more. It feels like they're just, as you said, playing individual styles, but just running their heads in against each other and just hoping that their reses are more valuable and that yeah. the flanking Reinhardt's going to get more value. Mate. Yeah, mm. maybe the reason I yeah, I say that is because in modern day Overwatch, I think people are a lot better at punishing people if yeah. they overextend for a second and you, you get yeah. these small opportunities. There's more awareness going yes. on currently. Um, and that's certainly a big difference as well. Like you, you, we've seen so many plays here where like a Widowmaker just pops out and they're like, oh, they have a Widowmaker. <laughs> it's like, yes, a 3K or whatever. Because <laughs> yeah. it, they just don't expect it from a certain angle. I think there's way more awareness going on now in current Overwatch. It's harder to go for those plays because of it. <laughs> I don't know, that guy walking in the background slowly backwards just got me giggling. Got, <laughs> got, the cameraman's just, just got jeans and a top on and is just walking backwards behind the players. Can we take a moment to appreciate the Blizzard Arena? The, oh, the Blizzard God. Arena was so good. As, was, from yeah. a player's standpoint, from a fan standpoint, it was actually such a good thing having like a uh, having a centralized arena that had all the utilities that it did. It was It just made the event so special. I the think the screen was amazing as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, incredible. it was incredible. Yeah. Then I threw an orange at it. Almost got fired. <laughs> <laughs> you threw an orange at the screen? Yeah, oh, yeah. I did. 2019. That was a segment, yeah. <laughs> Producers were very angry about that one. <laughs> That's a thousand dollar screen! Well, mate, I was like a ten thousand dollar screen. At it. Yeah, I just, I just fucking launched an orange at it. And it like it flickered for a second as well. It turned off, I remember. I remember distinctly. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. Oh, yeah. Uh so I wanted to pose this question. We're coming to the end of this map. Yeah. And I want to pose this question to you all. If if one of the current teams from the Overwatch League in 2020 was ported into oh, this God. Overwatch League right Here now, like right at the beginning of January, and they had all the advantages of the knowledge of the game, all of that kind of stuff, what's the lowest ranking team that you think would be able to comfortably beat Dallas and Seoul? With, Wait, and, and what? we're not saying... So, uh, yeah, you pose... So how do you... Okay. Yeah, what do you mean? So what I'm saying is... What is the lowest ranking team from Overwatch League 2020 
that yeah. you would say could comfortably beat these two teams, the Dallas Will and Soul Dynasty, if you had a time machine and you took them, the, the 2020 team from right at the end of the season, and you played them against those teams right when this match is happening. Oh, so the, what I'm saying is, I, I the say best team from... Like, yeah, Boston. Boston would be... Boston I, I think Boston up? would beat uh, London Spitfire. Yeah. yeah. I think the you lowest think Boston level. Boston would beat London Spitfire at the end of the 2018 season? Okay, uh, that's See, because I think yeah. that's a hot take. <laughs> uh, I, I'm saying London Spitfire during like I think during the regular season I think London Spitfire hit like a new level it's the same with Philadelphia Fusion at the very end of the season but I think yeah. Boston would have won the regular season of the Overwatch League if they had if like 2020 Boston Uprising at the very end of 2020 season I think would win the Overwatch League you underestimate how good players have been do you remember when like Sire Player got like a 30% critical hit accuracy against yeah. the Dallas Fuel uh, um, in a match and everyone was like this is like cheating these days, if you're a Widowmaker player and you don't have 30% critical hit accuracy, you're not really playing the game properly. Like, the the levels that I think individual players have gone to, and, like, think about traces. Think about what traces yeah, do yeah, these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. I think it's just... Yeah. I think the, you'd be surprised. The bar has been raised, and then it's the knowledge on top of that. I, I mean, it's, it's just... <laughs> I, yeah, whatever team I think you consider to be the worst in 2020, I would say that they would win 2018. That yeah. That is... I, see, I, I'm not sure that I agree with that because I think that New York from 2020, as we got like later and later through the seasons, actually became a pretty decent team. Like I, what we were talking about at the beginning I mean, of this one, where we were saying New York in 2018. The, yeah, yeah, yes, New York of 2018. The astronomical improvement from the teams, like six months in, the sure, teams okay. were really good. So I'm... Yeah, maybe I, Boston I, winning not, 2018 is a bit of a... I mean, I think Boston could be... Take all of the teams at the beginning of the league like right now Absolutely, i think that yeah. i think yeah. that that is valid beating london i don't know about either yeah because like, they were really good at like hansel widowmaker and stuff which is like do you trust yeah. jerry and colorex to beat those guys also the concepts that we take for granted or like or not take for granted but we just assume a, a default on a lot of these teams which is just they were all on a very similar page in terms of their game plan their composition had a purpose like it was uh, the, 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 yes. the, the end of yeah. 2018 but that's when... the same for New York throughout the regular season too is, sure. that's yeah. one of my reasons there that I think that maybe they wouldn't yeah. be as, as vulnerable as we think because remember this is like this is like the worst the Overwatch League ever was in yeah. terms of performance it only it went up astronomically from here throughout the yeah it really did Really, yeah, really but I would hard. also understand if like a coach, a coach came out of the woodwork and just tweeted at us like, "You guys are morons!" Like, of course, <laughs> Boston would beat London Spitfire in the finals. Yeah. Like, I could kind of see how some people would think that way. I don't think there's like, a clear cut answer, but I, I don't know how good the finals were. Yeah, I haven't literally it. haven't watched the finals in years. Be, uh, see, I think I, I I would lean more towards that. I think Boston would be would win the grand finals. I think like I I can understand your points and like maybe that London was at the peak, but I think the the amount players have improved over the last few years, not just individually, but on like a teamwork and un team yeah. understanding and synergy. I think might just like they might just dwarf over it, and we just don't realize how bad we were. Like maybe you'd have to look back at the 2018 finals. Like maybe they yeah. do play like this still, and we just don't remember it. We like yeah, rose-colored yeah. glasses, and it actually yeah. wasn't as good as we all remember it. Yeah. Do you think that this? Do you think that? invalidates every argument for like goat status for players that were good at this period of time like no, should it no, even I be mean, counted no i mean it's the same with like hall of fame in basketball like people face different challenges and like they have different skill sets because the games are in different states 
right? Like if someone right, figured, oh, there's Brennan this. Josh. Look off. at that. Wow. Oh, oh, what is that? We, I do not want to listen to this. <laughs> to just sum it up, I just want to say, like, as we mentioned already with the positional advantages on like Anubis and Numbani, like it's different challenges to the players that, that players face currently in the current award space, right? So, you know, it's different skill sets, but different challenges and different achievements. Like it's got to be relative to the current gameplay. God, yeah. I was at my peak back then. Wow. Bren was in. Bren had barely formed. He was. Mate, I was at my fucking. I was at the rock bottom. I feel like in terms of my knowledge, cadence, broadcast presence, everything at the start of that year. It was uh... also a bit of a throwback. Was also the the smog emote in the back from Moon Moon when Moon 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 Moon, Moon yeah. was a consistent yeah. streamer. Yeah. I love that emote. That yeah. was like the shit. That was like the go-to emote in Overwatch uh, <laughs> uh, the directory. Win for the Fran in 2018. <laughs> 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 wow. Look how much hair I had. Oh. God, you don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> there it is. I really don't want to watch this. We're just mainly asking Josh questions. Yeah. This was fun. This was yeah, really it fun. was. I enjoyed yeah. this. Yeah. I, I think this is a really good content. Oh, for fuck's sake. There it is! <laughs> there it is! You look so different! You look so young! So different! Yeah. And it's crazy! I forgot you looked like that at all. I look at the I arms! Mean, was... Look at the arms! <laughs> yeah, I know. I was 20... I was 21 at this point, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I want to go back and watch some of Reinforce's old games. Like, old oh, games. No. yeah. Like, no. I'm not going to, like, winning the Atlantic showdown. No, can we go back and watch him lose to Envy and Apex after choosing them? No, that seems like no, a good why that one? <laughs> oh, cool. my Lord. Well, well I'm not going to be able to work for the Overwatch League. No, no, no. Like, uh, actually, like, John Spector is going to watch that episode and be like, why are we hiring this guy? Like, <laughs> his reputation is completely demolished. Like, back to production, you go. You've already done it for Custer, now we need to do it for you. It's only fair. I only played yeah. one on the map, and that's no, the we map just we won, the so team. that was great. We didn't blame Custer <laughs> for anything. We just okay. said, oh, Dallas Fuel was a dumpster fire. Not his fault. Enough, you know, it, it is what it is. How about this? This is something we can all agree on. We'll go back and watch some LG Evil and watch a Vast. That sounds yeah. Like... There's no version of on Boston, is there? So we can't go back and watch Boston games. We have to go back and watch the LG yeah. Evil. Yeah. Okay. Sounds I think good. a better idea is that we end this episode Thanks for watching, first of all. Uh, but also write a comment of what episode you want to see us do next. This might oh, become yeah. like a regular side content series as well um, on the yeah, on the channel because we are planning on increasing the, the amount of content we pump out onto both the Platchat Overwatch channel and the Platchat Valorant channel. So uh, yeah, you guys will have to keep an ear out. Write a comment. What game do you want us to review next? I hope you enjoyed this little blast of the past. We got to review some of that old gameplay. I think this was quite good. Honestly, it, it turned was, out better than I was yeah. expecting. So it was fun. Yeah. Thanks for watching, guys, and we'll see you next time.